0: Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, October the 19th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain,
1: and our regular Tuesday morning guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Good morning, J.B. How are you? Hey, it's great to be here. I'm smiling because uh, your listeners may or may not know that we actually record this Via Zoom, so we can see each other and kind of have a video. And uh, I took a drink of my coffee while you were introducing the show. And last time I did that, you commented on what a huge coffee mug I have, and I got tickled.
0: Well, it was the size of a Scud missile, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we may need some Scud missiles if things keep going. going.
0: We we may indeed. uh, The way things are are kind of stacking up here, but uh, we're glad our listeners are with us this morning. We've got kind of a, a special treat for them. Uh, we're going to be doing more or less an informal uh, question and answer uh, hour this hour. Um, we're going to be doing this probably once a month, if not with JB every time. Uh, we may be doing it with Pastor Dick or or Lucas, uh, depending on uh, uh, what Preponderance of questions are directed to whom?
2: I trust two of those guys.
0: Two of those guys you trust? I do. Uh, Jb and, and Lucas. You trust it. those two guys? Okay, good. So do I I. I.
1: I figured it was Lucas and himself. I I. I know <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> but uh, we're we're going to do a little question and answer format here uh, for for this hour. So. Um, jb has been kind enough to to answer some questions on the fly Uh, and there just be aware that there are going to be some questions we have concrete answers to Um, there may be questions and people have questions all the time uh, and the answers are not clear that's why paul wrote uh, for now we see through a glass darkly we we can we can see and understand some things some things we're we're not sure they're left to sometimes conjecture and uh uh when those answers those type of answers happen we will let you know it's conjecture we, we we we're not certain of this and we wouldn't teach it as doctrine uh but this is what we think uh correct jb i mean does that sound good
1: yeah absolutely i mean sometimes we have some thus saith the lords and then Sometimes we have to do a little theological synthesis where we compare Scripture with Scripture and try to make yes. a reasonable uh, inference from God's Word. And uh, yes. in those cases, you have to have a, a modicum of humility and recognize that we can't be dogmatic. Um, but, uh, but most of the time, we can come to some pretty firm conclusions based on the uh, plain and simple truth of God's Word.
0: Okay. I, I couldn't agree more. Now, I do have a one question uh to start this session and this is a relatively easy one probably uh what in the heck does modicum mean no i'm kidding i i i do know the meaning of modicum but uh (laughs) but but let's get into some some real questions shall we yeah i'm ready okay i see i know you are you're instant in season and honestly, This is great practice, actually, for us, isn't it?
1: It is, and actually, let me take just a second to, uh, I think I skipped over my normal uh, sort of update, so let me take 30 seconds. Yes,
0: yes, please do. So,
1: uh, yeah, tomorrow night, don't forget uh, that it'll be part three of our ongoing series, How to Read and Understand the Bible. Uh, the first two parts of that have already been posted, uh, the videos at uh, notbyworks.org, just uh, on the video uh, menu, look for midweek service, And then, of course, the audio of those sessions is also available on any podcast provider at the Not by Works Ministries podcast channel. Uh, So yeah, I hope you'll join us tomorrow night as we live stream at six o'clock Mountain Time. And tomorrow night, we're going to look at another case study of a passage that's almost always misinterpreted uh, from Matthew 18. And then we're going to look at some more principles of how to study the Bible. So, uh, But other than that, yeah, we're just you know back from our trip uh to Duluth as I mentioned last week back uh raring and ready to go and looking forward to uh just a great uh you know great few weeks to come as we continue our different teaching series on Sundays and Wednesdays so with that let's fire away
0: all right I think for first question um I would say one that I've always had and I I don't think it's a Terribly tough one. It may be one of those that we that, that we where we have to leave it to conjecture. But um, Pastor brought this up. Pastor Dick brought this up. Uh, do you think, JB, that Pontius Pilate was saved?
1: The question is, was uh, was Pilate saved? And so obviously we need to get into a little bit of uh, you know what do we know about. Uh, you know, how a person gets saved, obviously. Um, Right. And in all ages, and I know Pastor Dick certainly uh, uh, agrees with this and has taught it for years, in all ages from Adam forward, the only means of eternal salvation is faith alone. And um, in the present age, it's very clear specifically what we have to believe, and that is we have to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died and rose again to pay our personal penalty for sins. And he's the only one who can forgive sin and give eternal life uh, to all who simply believe in him for it. Um, Yes. So to answer the question, was Pontius Pilate saved? Obviously, we're looking in the biblical record for any indication that he, in fact, believed in Jesus as the only one who can give him forgiveness and eternal life. And uh, I don't see any specific direct reference to that, Um, but I'll let Dick... Kind of mention a couple of passages that we talked about off air um, that that we might, as we talked about, draw an inference from, uh, and then I can comment on on those. So, Dick, you were you were talking about John nineteen twenty two, for example.
0: Yeah, he's he's he's, saying the sound is kind of low on the laptop here, but so I'm going to translate. He he he's talking about the the scripture passages that you were talking about off the air. Uh, which which ones were they again? Well, I, I didn't
2: have a lot of them. I, it's just that uh, uh, Pilate had a sign written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, and put it up over the cross, and it read, "Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews." Yes. <clears throat> and the Jews said, "Don't write that. Write that he said he was King of the Jews." And Pontius Pilate, uh, in uh, in John said john 1922 he said
0: what i have written I have written which would lead one to believe that that maybe he believed he, that Jesus Christ was their messiah because when he was questioning Jesus
2: and questioning him he says uh, art thou a king then and and Jesus said
0: thou sayest it yeah and he didn't argue no no he didn't and he said he found no fault in him Yep.
1: yeah so from that what we can say with certainty is that Pilate uh, Recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, and yeah. recognized that Jesus was sinless, but the question then becomes doctrinally: Is that enough to for someone to be born again, to be saved right. eternally? Right. Uh, and scripturally, the answer is no. If that's all he believed, uh, no. He believing that Jesus is the King of Kings and believing that he's sinless doesn't save anybody be saved you have to believe that he's your sacrifice you're a substitute you know the you know whatever word you use you have to believe that uh god provided uh a payment for your sin through right. uh the death and resurrection of christ now of course he hadn't died and resurrected yet at that point so anybody prior to the cross that was saved was saved by looking forward to god's provision so you can right. go back to abraham for example Uh, when he believed God's provision and and it was accredited to him righteous. So, but nevertheless, regardless of which side of the cross a person is on in history, they have to believe that God paid their penalty for sin. So I think it's a reasonable inference that that Pilate certainly was hinting there that he recognized that Jesus was more than what the unbelieving Jews did and that he uh, certainly did reluctantly, uh, you know, uh, did not, you know, he, he just recognized that he wasn't, uh, you know, saying empty words as the unbelieving Pharisees and scribes were saying. Right, right. He believed, yeah, he is the king. So I think it would be a reasonable, reasonable inference, but I would stop short of saying uh, with certainty that, in fact, he was a believer.
0: I, I tend to agree uh, that, that we couldn't firmly say that he was a believer. Uh, uh and and dispensationally speaking uh at that point in time we were right on the cusp of the age of grace but weren't quite there yet because christ had not uh been sacrificed uh, yet he had not been crucified uh for our sins uh so they were still under an age of law uh dispensationally Um uh, uh,
1: so let me, with... let me clarify what you just said there because i know at least at the Not by Works uh, ministry, we always have uh, new people uh, uh, chiming into our, or tuning into our podcasts and videos. And so, mm-hmm. I'll clarify what we mean by that. Uh, dispensationally, the term dispensation, of course, is a biblical term. It means stewardship or economy. It's found in Ephesians 3 and elsewhere. Uh, and so, we understand that through the ages, God interacted with mankind under different sets of rules. That doesn't mean different ways of salvation, but it just means different ways of communicating with him, interacting with him, functioning on this earth. For example, the age of law, as you mentioned, was a time when God put in place some rules and regulations and festivals and feasts that uh, were all intended to be a shadow of the substance to come, which is Christ. But that's, that's the way God intended for people to interact with both each other and with him. But even during the age of law, salvation was always by grace. So when we talk about the, quote, age of grace or the present church age, Mm -hmm. we're not intending to imply. And again, I'm just clarifying. I know this isn't what you were saying. You fully uh, agree. But uh, just to clarify, we're not suggesting that grace came into existence after the cross. Uh, You know, God is eternal in his attributes. He's always been a God of grace. And it was even by grace that Adam and Eve Found forgiveness after the fall, uh, but what we what we see in Scripture is that in this present dispensation, God's grace is manifest more clearly, more powerfully. Um, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews one that God, in various ways and in various times in the past, uh, spoke through the prophets and other things, but in this present age, He has manifested Himself through the eternal Son of God, who is the express image right. of His glory. So basically grace has always been there people are always saved by grace through faith but in the present yeah. age God's grace is sort of high definition um, but you're right in the age of when Christ was walking the earth uh, this was a transitional time leading up to the church age which began uh, in uh, you know on the day of Pentecost some fifty days uh, after the resurrection
0: right okay so I think we're we're in a here that we couldn't definitively say Pontius Pilate was saved. Uh, it's one of those neat questions that that uh, we're just going to have to wait until we get uh, to heaven with our our Savior to find out. And if he's there, you know, if if All right, I, if Pilate is there, I I I'd love to sit down and have a talk with <laughs> him. I really would. I mean, there's there's maybe some other questions okay. that I'd like to to okay. give him.
2: Okay, as an example to our listeners. <laughs> how how you might want to ask questions. Um, uh, and and I'm just asking you, J.B., uh, do you think that Pilate
1: was the tool to get his son to the cross? Certainly. I mean, I think there were several tools in God's sovereign plan of the ages. Um, obviously, Judas, uh, obviously yes. the Pharisees, and those are both predicted in the Old Testament, both Judas and the the rejection of uh, Israel were predicted in the old Testament. So we know those were God, part of God's plan. And uh, ultimately I think all of the circumstances surrounding the life and ministry of Christ uh, that led up to Calvary uh, were part of God's sovereign plan. Definitely.
2: Okay. Okay. And, and, and uh, I, I just gave that as an example to our listeners about how my, they might ask questions. Uh, I I always go to Acts chapter 15, verse 18, uh, which says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning, and that settles everything for me.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite verses uh, when I'm talking about uh, proof texts, uh, you know, how to prove different biblical principles like uh, uh, God's sovereignty and so forth. And uh, that's a that's a great passage, of course, in the context of the Jerusalem Council, you know, uh, uh peter is uh speaking and uh and he he makes that statement so uh yeah that's that covers it all
0: okay all right well let's move on to another question shall we i've got kind of more of a contemporary uh issue type question what are you a liberal (laughs) is that a real question (laughs) no (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> but the the real question is this and this is probably on a lot of folks mind right now jb and i know you covered this a little bit in your your series what in the world is happening what in the world is going on um uh, but the question is and i've i've been asked this uh, myself from a co-worker uh just recently uh, maybe three weeks ago and uh, when when this coworker asked me the question, J.B., I, I had I referred them to your, to not by works and that series. So I don't know how many they listened to. They haven't touched base with me since then. But the question that she asked me was, did I think that this mandatory vaccine uh, was? the mark of the beast, or was it a precursor? Uh, What do you think? Do you think, well, I think I already know what you think, but for our listeners, uh, is this the mark of the beast, or is this something pre-mark?
1: Well, it's definitely not the mark of the beast, and we can say that without certainty, because according to God's word, the mark of the beast does not come into play until after the rapture, once the Antichrist has taken And frankly, not until three and a half years into that final seven year period, does he institute the mark after he really begins clamping down and and, and controls the commerce and everything in the tribulation period. So there's no question that the mark of the beast is not in existence today. Uh, But as with all of prophetic scripture, uh, we ought to be uh, discerning the signs of the times, as Jesus told the Pharisees. That yeah. uh, when he rebuked them, he said, "Look, you can look at the sky and tell the weather, but you you don't have you don't know how to discern the signs of the times." And in that context, right. he was talking about the fact that you know the Messiah had come just as the prophets predicted, with all of the details, including you know the virgin birth, Bethlehem, the precursor John the Baptist, and ultimately Judas was predicted in the Old Testament, and yet the Jews rejected him. They didn't get it. They missed him. So yeah. Jesus' that's yeah. context is that they weren't able to discern the signs of the times. But I think the principle is we should do the same thing. And we look at what's going on around us uh, geopolitically and culturally, and, and we kind of understand God's Word and, and the progress of Revelation and how things are getting worse and worse, Second Timothy 3.13. And we know that uh, if uh, when, the, when the end times start at some point in the future, there has to be some mechanism in place that can allow the, uh, the non-omniscient, non-omnipotent, non-omnipresent Antichrist, again, he's not God, he, ha- he can only be at one, right. one time, but there has to be some mechanism in place that will allow his tyrannical regime to see and track every human being and to uh, shut them down at any moment if they try to buy something or travel across state lines or international lines got to be massive control grid in place, and we know from their own documents uh, that the Luciferians today that are in existence, that are pulling the strings of power and ruling the world, uh, as I talk about in Spirit of the Antichrist and also uh, what in the world is going on, uh, they, uh, they are using these gene editing, gene modifying bioinjections as a ultimate means uh, toward transhumanism. It doesn't mean that the COVID vaccine at this point has all of those capabilities. Uh, Don't get me wrong. The COVID vaccine is absolutely horrific, dangerous. It's killing people by literally the tens of thousands. That's a documented fact, by the way, that comes from the CDC and FDA.
0: It certainly does. That's right.
1: Their system. That's right. uh, Look at the VAR system. It's, it's, it's frightening the amount of deaths and injuries. Um, So it's a bad, Uh, vaccine to be sure it's not even a vaccine it's an experimental bio injection and by the way when the when the lying fake news uh, luciferian controlled media talks about quote vaccine hesitancy (laughs) i tell you what they can label me whatever they want but i am not vaccine hesitant i am a vaccine under no circumstance person i'm a vaccine vaccine absolutely not i'm a vaccine no never not vaccine hesitant. There's no hesitancy whatsoever on my part. I will never take the vaccine. Amen. Um, I'm with you. Who knows better? Now, if there's believers who've taken it, fine. Repent. Get before the Lord, and don't take any uh, boosters because uh, the vaccine has horrific, uh, you know, baby parts in it. Uh, you know, parts from uh, baby corpses. Uh, and by the way, many of the experiments that they're using on the COVID vaccines across the world these parts are taken fresh, not frozen. I mean, literally, after the baby is born, they're taking yeah. the baby parts. And so that's, again, not a fact in dispute in, in our series, uh, what in the world's going on. We actually document from the CDC's own documents uh, when the babies were aborted, what gender they were, uh, what year it was, what day, how far along they were, and even what mm-hmm. parts of the corpse they used to develop and uh, create these vaccines. Now, not all of the vaccines actually have the corpse parts in them. Most of them do, but uh, even the one that doesn't still used the body parts from baby corpses to create the vaccine. And so, forget all the other dangers. Forget the, uh, you know, the the other bad ingredients, the spike proteins. Forget the, uh, you know, uh, all the other negative effects. Of the uh, you know vaccines like antibody uh, uh, enhancement uh, and whatever it is ADE I forget the, the term but uh, if you forget all of that for one reason alone and that is the sanctity of life and the fact that they are as transhumanists and Satan loves to do using death to try to create life and mimic God and uh, and that's a problem so. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the technology is there for the mark of the beast, but this is not the mark of the beast right now.
0: Agreed. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And uh, uh, thank you for answering that one in the manner in which you did. Jamie. Yeah. May,
2: may I jump in there? Yes,
0: sir. Pastor wants to jump in with a question.
2: I think a couple of other precursors um, uh, in Genesis chapter four. God put a mark upon Cain, and Ezekiel chapter 9, I believe it is, um, that um, Ezekiel had a guy that was, had an inkhorn, and they were supposed to put a mark on the foreheads of all the men that sigh, and so forth, and then thirdly, uh, in Genesis chapter 22, um, <coughs> Jesus' name will be written on our foreheads. And so the mark of the beast then is a, uh, is him saying that he's God.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole, that's a great point, uh, Pastor Dick. We could do a whole series on uh, God's marks, if you will. Um, And we could go back to even circumcision. We could look in during the tribulation to how God marks the the 144,000. With his name on their foreheads. That's right. That's juxtaposed against the unbelievers who ultimately take the mark of the beast on their foreheads or on their wrists. Um, so, uh, you know, the idea of a mark as an identifying figure is uh, a longstanding historical fact. In the ancient times, ancient Near East, they would create um, uh, statues and marks and images of kings throughout the land that people were supposed to worship and remember who's in charge. And then uh, what's interesting, and uh, this just came to my mind, but you get to Romans, I think it's 16, and uh, Paul reminds us to mark those who are teaching false doctrine. And yeah. He's not talking about uh, put an imprint on their forehead, although sometimes we'd like to punch them in the nose. But we don't Four
0: knuckle prints would do it,
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but we are supposed to mark them in the sense of identifying them, which is all a mark does and Paul tells us to mark those who are teaching false doctrine and, and stay away.
2: Yeah, when you hear Curtis talk like that, do you think that I might have made some mistakes in rearing him?
1: <laughs> I didn't catch what he said, but I I, I could guess what did you say, Curtis?
0: Uh, the, I was talking about four knuckle prints being oh. the mark.
1: yeah, yeah, no I get it. Well, you know, Jesus said, "Turn the other cheek," but you know, we do have two cheeks. So you know, that's I right. We only have two. After you've turned both cheeks, I think it's all bets are off.
0: Which which leads me to another question here that I'm going to ask. I hope it's serious. It is serious. Okay. <laughs> of course, it's serious. Okay. Um, that that particular verse, uh, Jesus was 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 Jesus recommending that we take a passive stance uh with government and uh with those that would seek to harm us
1: no so uh the passage in question is the sermon on the mount uh, right and in the sermon on the mount jesus is near the beginning of his ministry uh early on in his ministry at least he is exposing the false concepts of kingdom righteousness uh and who would be you know uh, led into the kingdom on the part of the Pharisees by right. using a lot of hyperbole, you know, for yeah. example,
2: ah, yes.
1: he says things like, if your eye offends you, gouge it out. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not, wasn't talking clearly about, you know, gouging out your eye. So he's, right. he, he, he goes through the Sermon on the Mount, reminding them at, at, right out at the, at the beginning of uh, sort of for shock value, how far they had departed in their understanding of true righteousness. Right. Um, so he says, for example, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Well, right. Pharisees thought, you know, you got to be strong and powerful and show no weakness. And Jesus says, "No, nope, you're not understanding humility." And, you know, blessed are those who mourn, because he understood that you know Jesus was teaching that in this earth you're going to have trouble, as he would later say. Um, yeah. And Blessed are the meek and, and so forth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and on and on. Blessed are they who are merciful. So when he says turn the other cheek, he wasn't giving a hard, fast rule. And by the way, even turn the other cheek is a metaphor. He wasn't physically talking about, you know, when someone does you wrong, you've got to turn your head to the side. Uh, he, the implication is, you know, be willing to be, willing to be wronged if necessary. But this is one of those examples where you have to compare scripture with scripture. And there are multiple examples in the old and new testament alike of the fact that God does not expect us to be pacifists. He expects us to defend ourselves. Jesus even told the disciples right before he was crucified, look, if you've got a, a knapsack, you should go sell it, take the money and buy a sword. And buy a
0: sword. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Eat it after I'm gone. So, you know, I uh I talk about this in several of my videos, like Red, White, and Bad, and also uh, Christians and Civil Disobedience. Um, And I think we talked about it a bit uh, in a previous podcast with Christian Underground News Network where we examined Romans 13. Uh, But no, it does not teach a passive viewpoint. Um, I think we we have the right to defend ourselves. The sanctity of life involves that. Sanctity of life is not only about uh, killing. Preborn babies. It's about the value of life in general, which
0: is why God in the Old Testament established capital punishment. Amen. Okay, I agree. I agree with that. Um, let, let's let's go to a more general question. And I, I think this is probably a question that most human beings, well, believing human beings, uh, born again believers, uh, Christians in general have probably asked themselves this question many times, at least once in their life, but probably many times. Where is
1: heaven? So uh, that's a great question. First of all, we need to define our terms. We often uh, talk about how when a person, when a believer dies, they, he or she goes to heaven, or, you know, we right. talk about, do you want to go to heaven? I, I have tracks in our um, try in our not by works store that we uh, use also at conferences that talk about how to know for sure you're going to heaven but biblically we understand that heaven is really a a uh, summary to a metonym if you will not a metaphor mind you but a metonym a summary of the eternal dwelling place of the redeemed which is according to scripture the Mm -hmm. new heavens and new earth so yes so we understand that Uh, God spoke the world into existence. He created time, space, and matter. Uh, That's what Genesis 1-1 tells us. In the beginning, that's time. God created the heavens. That's space. And the earth, that's matter, the very atoms that we see around us. But at some point in the future, uh, time, space, and matter shall be no more. God's going to destroy the old earth that's under the curse of sin, and recreate it in sinless perfection, but time shall be no more. That's why there'll be no darkness and so forth uh, in the eternal state. So uh, where is heaven? Well, it's outside of time, space, and matter, um, which is, it's the dwelling place of God Um, Mm -hmm. is uh, it. It's what makes it difficult for us to really understand some of the truths of scripture because as, you know, Romans 11, uh, I think it's 33, uh, reminds us we don't have uh, the mind of the Lord. Uh, it says in Romans 11, 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how yeah. unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So uh, sometimes it, it's fruitless and really not a good use of time to try to figure out everything from God's perspective. We just have to trust him take him at his word Uh, so but heaven is the dwelling place of god and it's the it's the new heavens and the new earth is the eternal dwelling place of all the redeemed
2: Uh, there's a couple other verses too that i want to throw in there Uh, i i don't know the address right off the bat but it says jesus said i hath not seen nor ear heard nor hath it entered into the heart of man the things that god hath prepared for them that love him And so really we can't know but then I came to a couple of other verses, sir, and I know you're looking at the clock. Um, well,
1: let's, let's let me back up on that one because that wasn't Jesus; that was Paul.
2: Okay, that's right. That's right. He
1: was actually quoting from Isaiah. Isaiah. Right. That's four sixty-five, right around, and there. Yeah,
2: sixty-four.
1: So that yeah, that's a great verse.
2: Um, and and then two other verses that came to my mind about where is heaven because I've been asked this. Hundreds of times, and uh, and I said I, there's not any definite answer, that's something we can't know. But, but when, but when, uh, uh, in the book of Isaiah 14, um, and I think you know what I'm talking about here, uh, Satan said, or Lucifer said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Uh, he, he said also, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And then in Job, it says, he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if if we're looking for Jesus to return in the rapture, should we look up into the northern sky wherever that is?
1: Well, I've always thought uh, that, you know, based on, I think it's Zechariah, that he's going to split the Eastern sky. And of course, traditionally, that's why uh, people in a cemetery are uh, laid with their head facing West so that when they rise, they'll see <laughs> in the East. Yeah. Um, that's true. I mean, that's actually true. You ask any. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Mortician. But um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I thought when you went to Isaiah fourteen, you were going to talk about is Lucifer there actually a reference to Satan?
2: Well, is it?
1: So I believe it is. I think I do too. I think it's a person. You know, it's it's sort of a almost like a. You know, in 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 the Psalms we see David taking on the persona of the Messiah and speaking purely prophetically. I believe. I believe that's how you should take the Messianic Psalms. Yeah. I think the same thing's happening here with. Uh, you know, the King of Babylon. Um, but regardless, and I know some good, solid dispensational scholars who who don't think that Lucifer in Isaiah 14 refers to Christ. Uh, and I respect that view for sure. But regardless, the fact of the matter is the Satan worshipers that are conspiring with Satan on earth to take over the world and have been since the garden, they refer to him as Lucifer. <laughs> so yeah. whatever whatever we may think or whatever the bible may say when they use the term lucifer they're talking about satan in their own literature yeah
2: yeah and because he's also called the king of tire yeah in ezekiel 28
1: correct and there okay. it's, it's more clear in Ezekiel yeah. 28 because it talks about the garden and all of that so we know yeah. that's the reference to Satan.
2: okay but i believe okay. Isaiah
1: 14 is as well
2: okay um you got any more questions, Kurt? Uh, well, I've always got questions. I mean, <laughs> uh, okay. Do you? Uh, yeah, I've got one, but I think I think there's a definite answer to this one. That after, okay, after the, Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, he appeared to, to uh, in the garden, and then it says in uh, Mark chapter sixteen, I believe, in verse twelve, um, uh. He appeared to uh, Mary Magdalene, she went to the disciples, uh, and Mark 16, it says, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them. What was that another form?
1: Well, that's a good question. What do you think? Uh,
2: Well, I, I think it's something, it was a form that they had not seen before, and I think it was his resurrected body, and maybe his glorified body.
1: Yeah, the word form is where we get the word morph, it's morphe. Uh, uh, So clearly it was something uh, completely different. Um, And uh, I mean, he was clearly already resurrected at that point. Yes. All of his appearances would be in his resurrected body. But, you know, we know from other passages like uh, Matthew 17, and the parallel accounts that he, uh, you know, he was transfigured at times and could take on uh, yeah. the Shekinah glory of God and so forth. So perhaps yeah. it was the Shekinah.
2: Uh, was glory. it like the transfigured body that he appeared?
1: To... Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm almost out of question.
0: Well, I uh, see. Are we almost out of time, J.B.? I think we are
1: got about we got a little bit more time but uh hey i'll i'm happy to take to to get off the hot seat anytime
0: okay i'll ask i'll ask you the
2: question that i asked you before we started this thing um in, in john uh jesus appeared for the second time to his disciples they'd gone fishing they hadn't caught any fish he said then jesus appeared said cast your net on the other side and then they brought in a whole load of fishes and the bible says 153 did I ask that one on air before?
1: No, you didn't. So the question is, is there any significance to that number? 153?
2: 153, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're talking about
2: uh,
1: where John, uh, what is it, 21 or something? Um, but in any event, you know, it's it's fascinating when, yeah, it's John 21, 11. Uh, some of the numbers that are mentioned in Scripture are really uh, specific, and, and it does beg the question, is there a significance to that number. But again, as a good student of the Word, uh, we have to let the Bible speak where it speaks and be silent yep. where it's silent. So um, it's, it's fun to speculate as long as we recognize that it is uh, speculation. But, um, you know, I don't really know why the uh, number was 153 or if there even was a number. It may have just been uh, the Holy Spirit's way as he carried John along to write this account of putting yeah. out the, spe- the specificity of it, because obviously, eyewitness accounts are more credible if they are very specific in their detail. Like if yeah. John yeah. had written, well, they've caught a bunch of fish. Well, that's one thing, but uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's more credible if you give the exact number. So who knows?
2: What yeah. do you think? Yeah, so, when, so when, I, when we're asking these questions, we're sort of giving uh, our audience that we have uh, an idea, uh, and, uh, and we want them to know that we may not always know the explicit answers to these things, but if they, if there are some, uh, they'll get it from us.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, and it's, I'm a okay. theologian at heart. And so I love to, to synthesize scripture and compare scripture, you know, across uh, different, uh, you know, uh, parts of Scripture and draw some theological conclusions. So I love, I love that in that sense. Um, but, of course, it all starts with the Bible. And, and what we're going to talk about tomorrow night in my uh, Wednesday night uh, service is uh, how to read and understand the Bible. And I'm going to give five steps, broadly speaking, in the Bible study process. But it begins with understanding Scripture in its plain, normal, contextual sense, yeah. And, uh, so that's all we can really say about the fish that we're caught. Uh We know how many. We believe the Bible is the word of God and it's infallible. Yeah. Is, is there significance to that number? You know, or who
2: knows? Yeah. yeah, I have a list of rules by which I study and teach the word of God. And two of them, uh, I, wanna, I want people to know, understand. Um, if God said it, stand up and speak up. And if God didn't say it, sit down and shut up Now i try to do that but i'm not always successful and i don't think everybody is and here's the other rule um if i know anything it's that i don't know everything but i know who does know
1: everything okay amen yeah God's right. given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word uh i preached about this uh, sunday in fact uh in a message entitled, When Bad Advice Happens to Good People, from Psalm 119, verses 17 to 24. If listeners uh, are interested in that, they can find it on our podcast channel, as well as on our website, the video form with all the graphics. But boy, I love that second, I love both those principles that you just gave, but the second one uh, okay. especially is powerful.
2: Okay, thanks. I don't think I have any other question. Well, I don't have any other questions right now. <laughs> but I
1: hope our listeners will, uh, your listeners uh, and any not by works listeners that, that listen to this after we post it, uh, yeah. will uh, take the invitation seriously to email me or uh, Curtis. Uh, you can reach uh, Curtis at Christian underground news network. Uh, just search for that on the podcast. Uh, and you can reach not by works at not works.org. Send us your questions because uh Uh, You know, we, uh, again, we don't have all the answers, like you said, but we know who does, and if the scripture's silent, we're going to give you our best guess, but we're going to leave it at that, Uh, but there are a lot of questions out there, and I get, I get lots of emails. Uh, In fact, I was just looking at uh, my inbox. Uh, I have folders on the inbox through the years uh, with Not By Works, and at my computer, my MacBook was running a little sluggish, and I I thought uh, I may need to delete some of those emails. And I went back I had over 12,000 emails uh, just wow. in the last couple of years. Wow. And, I, and I save only those emails that require a response. In other words, uh, if it's spam or something that's irrelevant, I just delete it. The only ones I save are ones that I need to respond to or they have information that I want to keep. Yeah. So, so yeah, we love your, love your questions. Keep them coming.
2: Okay. Well, one more thing before we go. Uh, you remember Dick and Nikki Shidley, don't you? Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I want to tell you <laughs> they They are quite religious right now and listening to your episodes of these podcasts, all right? I just uh-huh. want you to know that they do that. That's what I they love do. I
1: them both. They, they text me quite often, and we love a good inter- exchange. Yeah. We've got a real yeah. blessing to not my Works through the years. They've helped us at some of our events and uh, yeah. And Nick, of yep. course, is a, a technical guru. And so he's my go to guy when I have technical questions about yeah. um, the websites or those kinds of things. So, yeah, tell him hello for me.
2: I will. And I will tell you, Nikki uh, has this business, Amway. And she says, Why don't you uh, order online? And I told her, uh, Nikki, I am digitally challenged. <laughs> and she said, Oh, I thought you had all your fingers.
1: That sounds like Nikki. Yeah, that's (laughs) funny. funny. Okay. Listen, I'm done. Okay. All right. All right. Um,
0: JB, thank you for for this hour. And uh, for our listeners, uh, edification, we're going to be doing this from time to time. So, yes, we are serious about our invitation to Send your questions. You, if you have uh, any type of question about the Word of God, what it says, what it means, um, uh, send it to us. We listen. If we don't know the answer, we'll research it and try to find it. Yeah, uh, that's half the fun for us. Is is that oh, boy, we end up learning some new things every now and then. So it's it's a wonderful tool for us. We we love it.
2: We spend a lot of our time in the alliteration room. Yeah, we we do.
0: There's, <laughs> yes, nose in the word. That's basically how we stay. Yeah. So, uh, and and we prefer it that way. That's right. So send us your questions. We and and, uh, and if you want to tell us how, how lousy we are at this, you can go ahead and do that too. We'll take criticism, uh, but we'll also take you if you enjoy it. Let us know. Give us some feedback.
1: Yeah, please do. And, and I agree. We, you Feel free to send us your criticism too. That's what the delete button's for on my email. Uh, but, <laughs> there um, you go. But uh, but yeah, no, thanks for letting me uh, join in the discussion today. And always a pleasure, always an honor to be with you guys and really appreciate uh, the message of, of, of Christian Underground News Network. And uh, a reminder again to tune in tomorrow night at notbyworks.org at six o'clock mountain. For our ongoing study of how to read and understand the Bible,
0: Amen. An important series, a very important series. Uh, so be sure and tune in, listen in uh, to what to what JB going to be laying down here pretty soon uh, tomorrow night. Uh, not byworks.org. You can stream it live. Uh, so on that note, we're going we're gonna sign off for the day, and uh, we'll see you again this coming Saturday morning when Pastor Dick does his segment, and um, we, we'll, we'll be covering some, some fairly uh, basic topics, uh, but uh, it's always great information, and, and uh, he, he's, he's a research maniac, this guy. Uh, and you know him, JB, and, oh, yeah. and you know he is. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it, and, and so do I. So More of a maniac. Than a researcher. He's more of a maniac than a researcher, really. But, but jb thanks again for being with us this tuesday and uh we hope to be with you again uh this coming tuesday um before we sign off i wanted to ask uh ask you how your dad's doing i know uh that uh, senior was had un- had to undergo some some heart surgery did he not
1: yeah thank you guys uh, so much for praying for him and the not by works uh uh constituency also prayed for him i got a lot of encouraging emails so yeah he had a heart valve replacement surgery and um he is uh home now recovering well uh very good not have to do a pacemaker there was some question about that in the oh, early,
0: hallelujah.
1: early uh, moments after the surgery but uh so he's home he's on the mend and uh and just thank you so much for your prayers continue to lift him up
0: Absolutely, we'll, we'll continue to do that. Um, we know that those are serious issues, man. And it's, uh, I guess, the older we get, um, you know, we, we understand we're under the, the, the captive of the bondage of decay. And, and uh, so as we get older, things get more difficult. And uh, we will be praying for him. Absolutely. Well, thanks. So thanks again, JB, for being with us. We'll see you again next Tuesday, the Lord willing. And um, for right now, this is your host, Kurt Chamberlain uh, at the Christian Underground News Network, signing off until Saturday morning. Until then, may God bless and keep you.